everyone, welcome back to Industry Therapy. Based on our mission, TIF aims to bring together all stakeholders and sectors within the telecommunications ecosystem to learn from each other and how we can best support each other to overcome the challenges with the development of wireless infrastructure. Hello and welcome to part two, our continuing discussion with TIA TR60's leadership team, Jerry Bowman and David Cuthbertson. This podcast is provided by the Telecommunications Industry Foundation. This podcast, as well as much more additional content, can be found at tiffonline.org. Please welcome your hosts, Michelle Kang and Scott Stecker. What is the group currently working on? You mentioned it's going to be ready in five years. What's the timeline? What's the what's the schedule of release here? So five years is optimistic. Uh, uh, they tell me I have to be optimistic, um, but optimistic because we are beginning with a blank sheet of paper. Uh, the TSB that we're writing now actually was sort of driven by the work that David's subcommittee did because they got to a point and they said, look, you know, we need to have a document that describes fit, right? That tells us how each of the standards is interoperable and how they relate to each other. We don't know. Because you take a standalone standard, well, how does that apply to human resources when it doesn't mention it, you know? And so we needed a primer, and that's what the TSB was for. So we're a little bit behind where we wanted to be, but I think that um, as the roadmap grows, obviously we started out with a, a, a our first standard um, in information management, but the next level or the next phase of growth is is uh, three standards at once additional and then there's four and then there's five so it grows as our membership as the the process and procedures of writing these blank sheets of papers grows and as we add to our base of smes very good so you mentioned membership so what does that look like for who's going to consume these standards and then Obviously, with writing 30 standards, you're going to need some kind of help from industry to yes. take the lead, grasp these standards, and get them completed, correct? Yes, and and I, I'll tell you that um, the enterprise, the standards groups, organizations, the standards development organizations, and the membership uh, associations are siloed. You know, human resources has its own, uh, you know, security has several. Technology has its own, and our goal is to pull from each one of these and to get them to understand that in spite of the fact that that the majority of TR standard or TIA standards are um, technology-based, right? They're about hardware, software, cabling, uh, wireless, and so forth, that we really are about the, the performance uh, standards and the prescriptive standards for how to operate the enterprise around technology. So we're not going to redo what Sherm says on the HR side on how to manage HR. But what we are going to do is write standard that tells them how to manage technology-based personnel and what they should be looking for and how that affects the operations, the planning, the design, and the uh, life cycle of technology. And so our objective, and it's an obstacle right now, We've got a lot of people from other TIA standards, from service providers, from industry that deal with hardware and IT software, right? 
Now we've got to overcome the thinking that TIA standards are all for those people and help HR and security and logistics understand that, that they're important as well because this is a brand new effort for TIA to involve them. So educate me briefly on IT industry in general. Who mandates the, who's going to mandate these standards and make sure that they're implemented? Is it going to be operators? Is it going to be companies that utilize this, these standards? How's that going to work? So this, I mean, I, David probably has opinions just like I do about it. While you saw the, um, let's take TR42, for example, the TIA 568 family of standards were driven largely by manufacturers, by organizations like Bixi, um, and by some forward-thinking end users uh, and government, right? One of the big consumers of the TIA standards and of the Bixi uh, products are our government. We're thinking that this is more of a uniform or a more ubiquitous approach to that. We think that the manufacturers may this time be uh, some of the last ones to adopt this because this is on, you know, use. It's not going to sell necessarily, but it's going to talk about the proper use and life cycle management. So probably consultants, probably uh, CIOs. IT managers, HR managers, security, procurement folks, we think that they're going to drive the, the compliance with the standard and the use of it. So it's an enterprise play. Yeah, if I can come in on that, uh, Joey. Um, yeah. One of the key things that's coming out is there's lots of management standards, because this is really about management and processes. And there's cybersecurity management and there's COBIT for governance and other things. And they all give people the principles of what they have to do to establish control over those environments. But they don't actually tell you how to do it. They don't go to that level of detail. The difference with TR60 is we're assuming that an organization has to meet many differing internal and external requirements. So they might as well try and be as effective as possible. So we're going down to the level of detail and then saying, and a good example of that is there is no documentation standard. Every single compliance requirement says you should document things, but doesn't tell you how and leaves it as a big gap. So we're actually creating what is a good way, in my case, for my subcommittee, what is a good way of managing information so that you're not renaming things, that you're keeping control, and you can use the same information across the design so the guy who designs things calls the racks the same thing as what they have in a different site because operations know the naming conventions. Why introduce a new one? The guys who are implementing, they just want to know what the conventions are. If it's the same as before uh, in other places, then they're prepared for it. They have their labeling system set up. So all the basic things that come out, you can't have good information if you're not consistent with the way you implement things. So a lot of this is about reinforcing consistency and standards. This is the difference really with TR60. We're a level down about how do you manage on a day-to-day -day basis to meet all of those higher level management requirements being placed. And one of them is you know, reduce costs, but you're not going to reduce costs if you keep doing site surveys. So why not record in a way that when you build things, that operations can use it, but also the next project can use it as well. They don't need to reverse engineer something you've just built. It sounds like common sense. 
But yeah. it is unusual. There is no documentation standard, which is why we started developing that as the first one, because that's where a lot of the need for the industry is. A lot of the others, we can take advantage of existing frameworks or processes, but actually there's nothing on the documentation side or tells you how to do it. Yeah, it is quite powerful being able to give someone what good looks like and have them run with it, right? Because a lot of times people just struggle to get started. They they have the great intentions, but aren't sure how to get started. But so we know the challenges that TR60 is trying to solve for, but what are the challenges that TR60 is actually facing today uh, as far as getting the standards complete uh, and rolling them out? Do you have any major roadblocks that you're facing? Yeah, our, our biggest one right now is as the uh, global uh, workforce uh, tries to figure out its new identity post-pandemic uh, is that, you know, the hybrid model, um, the, the idea of, of uh, work, you know, how it plays in folks' lives. Listen, none of us are paid. This is all a volunteer effort. We're all industry folks with jobs and we do the standards. You know, this is what we do instead of having a social life. Um, and so the, the idea post pandemic, and I think this is globally, the getting volunteers, getting folks that are willing to jump in and, and give personal time or even company time um, it, with the reduction in workforce and the struggles that the enterprises are facing you know, it's been a struggle to get the enough members to do the volume of writing that we need to do. And so, uh, you know, things like this podcast, uh, we do a monthly webinar uh, that we've just started uh, where we talk about the standard. We believe from talking, and I, I think David's experiences too, is that, you know, once once the business world, once the technology uh, consumer, whether it's IT or somebody in the enterprise finds out what we're doing, they clearly see the value and they get on board. But what we've got to do is sort of, you know, become the itinerant preacher in, in uh, Times Square where we just stand on a soapbox and get the word out because we, until people hear that we're solving a problem that they all have, they're not going to join and help us solve it. And we do need more. And that's the biggest problem that we've got is the membership base. So Jerry, specifically, what type of individuals do you need help from and how can these interested individuals get involved? That's a great question. Anybody that touches technology in their job can contribute to the standard. Because remember, we're not just talking about IT technicians or, uh, you, you know, cabling professionals or data center. Man we're talking about human resources people, we're talking about supply chain, you know, logistics, security people. I mean, liter literally every functional area, uh, every uh, aspect of it, from consulting firms, manufacturers, enterprise space, government, uh, there are very few people that wouldn't qualify. You know, I suppose some people might say that purely that accountants uh, might not provide much here, and that might be true, but the people that work around them to provide back office or provide the support uh, clearly would provide value for us. So it's easier to say who doesn't qualify than it is to, to say who does provide value. 
Yeah. So if uh, I'm, oh, sorry, David, but if I, if I'm listening to this podcast right now and this hit home for me, how do I reach out to you gentlemen and get involved with this? The best way is to actually reach out to the TIA, to the uh, secretary who runs all the engineering committees, who can put them in contact with us. That's Cheryl Thibodeau, and she's public on the website, and there's contact details and things. Is contact her, and then she can describe how you get involved. There's many different ways, uh, and then she can educate people as to the options. Because the TIA is a member's a manufacturing members organization it's not an individual person it's a company that's a member it does mean if their company's already a member they don't have to do very much but just identify that and then they can participate and so uh, there are some rules around uh, the tia membership but uh, that's what we recommend is and then they can contact us uh, through our, our details are normally publicized on webinars and things but what we'll typically do is always push them to uh, cheryl who uh, looks after the engineering committees from an administration perspective all right, Jerry and David, so one final question just to wrap this up. Uh, when you envision 10 years from now, so that's 2033, when these standards have been released and are hopefully being utilized on a large scale globally, what are all of the ways that an organization and its individuals will benefit? That's a great question. Again, we, we believe that this is a game changer, right? We think that this is going to change uh, from a cost-effective perspective from a, 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 an efficiency in how an organization operates. But, but the overall objective here is that um, security has gone through this. And I'll just draw a parallel relationship. It used to be that security was a, a checklist, right? And you go through the checklist and you knew you were successful in security if you hit all the check marks. It really wasn't about business outcomes. And we've seen a trend in standards to become more focused on the results, on the business outcomes and things that support that. So the difference in 10 years would be that when the IT, uh, uh, the CIO or the IT uh, director or VP sits down, they're sitting down with the business leaders and looking at the business objectives and together they're looking at the funding, at the resources, and at the uh, processes needed to make sure that the company gets where it needs to go without interfering with each other. Because I got to tell you right now, the, the uh, practice areas that we define in the standard are very often more roadblocks to their peers than they are assistance. And we believe that this standard can help pull together the practice areas around technology and, and drive a focus on uh, business outcomes. David, did you want to add anything to that? Um, yes, I'd probably say that if I was looking 10 years, I would see people who don't panic or rush when they're getting new requirements. They know how to react. They've got the information available to them. They know what's their role and what somebody else's. They can pass work between each other because nobody has to rely on previous experience or local knowledge. And basically, they can manage changes and problems and uh, projects in a controlled, consistent way without having to escalate all the time and try and get attention. And also that their colleagues don't compromise things which are important to the business because they all have the same common understanding. So this is where 
the lifecycle planning and governance comes in to educate everybody as part of this. You know, what are our best practices? What are our methods? Let's make sure we all follow them and then we become self-policing so that you can see a team that works as opposed to collections of individuals competing and occasionally fighting and not caring, which sometimes unfortunately is what happens nowadays in some cases. So basically people just get on and do a job, but they do a lot for the time that they have rather than having to panic and uh, you know, do extra things and uh, do the midnight hours. They can actually go home and, and stop off and say, somebody else is now taking over from me. Why? Because we've actually organized ourselves to be better. And they don't maturity. have to, and they don't have to reverse engineer what 10 generations ahead of them have done. Well, thank you both for being on our show today. It was a pleasure talking with both of you about TR60 and this new path that you're trailblazing for our industry that can hopefully make significant impacts globally. For those of you listening, TR60 needs your help. Please go on the TIA website and reach out to get involved. It's always a pleasure listening and learning from you both. Thanks, Jerry and Dave. Thanks, Michelle and Scott. Yeah. Thank you very much for uh, giving us the opportunity. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Industry Therapy, presented by the Telecommunications Industry Foundation. The information expressed herein are the opinions of the individuals. They are not meant to supersede standards or regulations that govern the reference subject matter. For additional TIFF podcasts and other educational content, or to submit a potential topic for a future podcast, please visit our website, tiffonline.org.